Say it with me one more time. And God said. Just close your eyes right now. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Father, take this next 45 minutes and do something in people's hearts. We thank you that we're part of your church and that your church is a voice to the world, a voice of hope a voice of vision, a voice of restoration, a voice of healing. It's the good news. And Father, we are a church that's going to declare the good news. Let people hear what you have to say today, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to Vision Sunday. I am surprisingly nervous. You think after preaching for a little while like I have, about doing probably our 12th Vision Sunday, about preaching this message. It's the fourth time I've actually preached this, once to the staff, once to uh, Morayfield, then Redcliffe. It's good to be back in Warner, by the way, right? Uh, I am the senior pastor here, just in case right? you're wondering, right? This, I'm the pastor, I'm not a guest preacher. And uh, it's just been great, but I'm, I'm nervous about today because I feel that God wants to do something. I feel that God is, is taking us somewhere, that, that God is not a stagnant God, that God is leading us and taking us, and there's a great presence of God, and, and, and I want to do His Word justice. So welcome. How good was that clip? You know, on our new kind of big LED screen, it just comes out, and I want to say thank you to all the team that worked so hard to make those things happen. New sound system as well. So uh, I want to say thank you to Ashley and to Rob and to all those guys who do such a fantastic job. And uh, soon we're even going to have phones and internet that work here, right? It's amazing. We're going to actually move into 2022. So today, my goal is to stir vision, vision in your body, vision in your soul, vision in your spirit for what God can do through a merged church, but also what God can do in you in 2022. Now, I want to say, we do not change our vision every year. It's not that God is a flip-flopper, right? One moment God's doing this, and then because of the change of a calendar date, God all of a sudden wants to do something else. You know, our vision is the same. It doesn't change because there's been a date change. Emerge Church's vision will always be able to be summed up in one sentence, and that's this. Emerge Church will endeavour to make disciples of Christ whose lives example Jesus and make the teachings of Christ attractive. That's what we're about. When Nina and I came here to Albany Hills Christian Church back then, that's what we thought we wanted to do, and it hasn't changed. That's what we feel is the mantle on our lives, that we want to make disciples. We want you to grow in the things of God. We want your lives to, to be Christian. That it's not just about a Sunday thing. It's about an all-week thing. Yeah. That you're a Christian not just on Sunday morning, but on Tuesday afternoon at work, on Thursday night at home, yeah. 
on Saturday morning at the sporting whatever thing you're going to, that you're a Christian wherever you are and that your lives, because you're following Christ, make the things of Jesus attractive. You just draw people. That's our vision, never gonna change. And what a vision does or, or what a sentence does, what it does is it helps you make your decisions. So we're as a board wondering, should we do this, should we do that? Well, what's our vision? Our vision is to make disciples, to make the teachings of Jesus attractive. So if it lines up with that vision, yes, we're going to do it. If it isn't going to line up with that vision, then we're not going to do it. So it's, it gives you a plumb line on which to measure the things that you do. So it's a pretty simple vision. It's not hard. Every one of us could remember that. It's not, it's not difficult. So that's what we're about. We want to make disciples of Jesus Christ not of Emerge Church, not of Mark Elmendorp, not of Nina Elmendorp, not of having all these different things, but of Jesus Christ. And as you live what he's asked you to do, then the teachings of Jesus are attractive to those who are perishing. So we have five core values of the church. They're not gonna change either. It's not like we just add some, we didn't like that one, we're just gonna add a new one. There are still five kind of like core values that we're about. We're about salvation. This church will never be a club which is just about servicing the, the needs of its members. It's built, and the church is always the only organization that's built for those who have yet to become members. We wanna be a voice, we wanna be loud in our community and say the good news of Jesus Christ is here. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is no other name by which man can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to preach. That's what we're going to be saying. That's important to who we are. Salvation. You know, on Friday night, we had 37 salvations in our youth group. How good is that? That makes me excited. I get happy about that. I'm glad we had lots of people. That's great. That's awesome. We had over 230 kids here. That's great. But 37 salvations. 37 people made a step of direction in the way of Jesus. What happens, we don't know. There's all the different stories that are going to happen, but they made a step towards Jesus. Their direction is towards Jesus, and I'm excited about that. We'll do what we can to make sure they walk the things of God and the ways of God, but it's about salvation. Number two value is we want this to be a place of encounter. I hope you love our church. I hope you love our musicians, our LED screen, our nice new sound system. I hope you like me. But in the end, I want you to have an encounter with Jesus. I want Jesus to be what matters. I want Jesus to be the one that you desire, that you pursue, that you go after. It's about Jesus that you know that I could be going through hell by one touch of Jesus. That you know that if you're going through something terrible, I can come here and I know I'm gonna experience the presence of God. I know I'm gonna experience the peace of God. I know I'm gonna experience the joy of God. I know I'm gonna enjoy something of an encounter with Jesus Christ. So that's important to us, salvation, connection. The next is the connection. I actually want you to like each other. Right? I actually want you to meet other brothers and sisters. You know, in the world, especially now, it's been getting worse, is that we become sometimes an object of ridicule. People at work aren't championing your Christian walk. 
People at work aren't championing your Christian values and, and all of those different things. Sometimes they ridicule us. Sometimes they marginalize us. Sometimes they exclude us or isolate us. But when you're in church, we encourage you. We say, come on, you can do this. God is with you. God's on your side. We can encourage one another. Can I pray with you? Can I sit with you? Can I listen to you? Can I be with you? And we can, as brothers and sisters, as family, encourage one another. So this will always be about connection. That's why we push life groups. Right? It's hard to connect just in this room. Right? We have three locations. We have many different services. So it's hard to actually connect just on Sunday. We love that. We want you to. We want you to stay around at our cafe and do all those things. But it's in a small group. It's in a department. It says we get smaller that you can get those real connections. That when you're going through something, someone's going to pray for you, encourage you, bless you, help you, and do those things. We're after connection. The second is discipleship. Discipleship is important. That's what Jesus said. Go and make disciples. I don't want you to be the same today and then the same next year and the same the year after that and the same the year after that. We want you to grow in the things of God. We want you to become a disciple of Jesus. Once again, not of the church. Right? Hopefully the church is the vehicle that helps you do that. But I want you to be a disciple of Jesus. Not a disciple of a merged church, not even a disciple of Mark Elmendorf. Hey, I can, as you imitate me, as I imitate Christ, that's good. But in the end, I want you to go, this is what God wants from me. Can you see a theme through this? The theme of really what we're about is Jesus. It's about a real walk with Jesus. That's why I, I may not be able to offer much but I do have a real walking, talking relationship with Jesus. And that's what's got me through almost 40 years of my life. And the last one is missions. We are always going to be a church that's bigger than just whatever our locations are. We're always going to want to have an effect in the places like Sisyphon. You know, just recently, I went to uh, Cambodia and I went to the school that we have helped there a number of times. And I, I want to tell you, when we first went to that school, it was by accident. What happened is that we were having lunch at a cafe, and uh, we were there, and I saw a guy on a computer, and, and, and I just always talk to people. My family always freak out about it. I just find individuals, and I just start talking to them. So I start talking to this guy, and uh, I said, what are you doing? And he's on his computer trying to get money for a grant to do something at the school. And, uh, and I thought, we, we could do that. That's what we can do. We can do something at the school. And so uh, uh, we looked at it, and I went and met the principal. Now, the principal was very suspicious. He didn't trust these Christians. He didn't trust these guys. What are you going to do? And so he was kind of like, no, I don't know. And then the pastor that was there, he said to him in his language, he said, if you allow the Christians to come and do something in this school, then God will bless this school. At that time, it had no government funding. There was nothing at all. It didn't have a working toilet. Right, 1,000 kids, no toilet. Right, that isn't good. Right, so, so what happened is that we went there and we did the toilets. We, we reconnected the toilets, made them all work, and everywhere we went, the principal was like this, just looking. Making sure that we weren't doing anything, making sure we weren't proselytizing, making sure we weren't preaching and doing all these different things. And then the next year is a little bit more open. And now we can do anything we like in that school. 
right? We can do concerts, we can preach Jesus, we can go into the classrooms and do all of those different things. But this is the testimony. See, one day, Hun Sen, who is the prime minister of Cambodia, he decides that he's in that town and the kids go, let's get him to come to our school. And they bombard him with emails. And so he came to their school, he saw the government hadn't done anything and then he promised and he built this massive classroom area. So the principal believes that's because he allowed the Christians to come and that's the blessing of God on his school. And then last when I was here, just a few weeks ago when I was in Cambodia, he, uh, he actually said to me, he goes, you know, last year, this school had the highest average marks in all of Cambodia, wow. right? And he goes, our aim is to be the number one school in Cambodia. And that's because we allowed the Christians to come and bless our school. How good is that? And that's what will always be a church of mission. We'll always be a church of mission, doing mission. And with that, I'd like to ask Nikki, who, by the way, we've asked Nikki to come on two days a week, as well as uh, at our Moray Field Campus to do pastoral care there. And she'll do a great job doing that. And she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, missions. Good morning. It's good to see everyone at Warner today. Don't get here in the mornings very often anymore, so it's great to be here with you. Well, just sharing a little bit about missions for you guys, and we really want to shine the light of Jesus wherever we go, wherever we support, and wherever our prayers go out to, because we want to impact lives with the love of God. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when we shine our light and we don't hide it, those good deeds are recognized and our Father in heaven is glorified. Our vision is to be involved locally in our own backyard all the way through to internationally. And here's a little bit of our vision on how we shine the light of Jesus as we declare God's love. We have the Community Visitor Scheme, where we recruit volunteers to go into nursing homes and visit one-on-one -on -one with elderly residents. We support chaplaincy in schools. Red Frogs, we do foster care bags and now have a relationship with the Department of Child Safety. We do many acts of kindness. We have Angel Tree, where we provide Christmas presents on behalf of parents who are in prison. We uh, support Youth Alive, we have our Outback Adventures, we provide many other Christmas gifts, food hampers throughout the year, and of course, Operation Christmas Child. We have our missionaries that we support. We have Warren and Sheena Lascombe in Fitzroy Crossing, who minister to Indigenous Australians. We've got the Czech family over in the Ukraine, who really do need our prayers right now, so please be praying for them. The Groves, who finally made it back to Lesotho and surprised their staff. We've got the bigs in Liberia, Steve and Margot, who do, both do an incredible job. And Margot and the social worker that she works with are now opening a halfway house for women who are in crisis, calling it House of Hope. We have our Cambodia trips that we do every year. Uh, you know, we head to Sisipon because we have favor there. God opened doors for us, and we've got favor there in, in government and with the pastors over there. 
And, uh, you know, we haven't been able to do a trip for a couple of years, but we have been able to send money over to them numerous times to help them to feed their community through COVID as well as through floods that they had. And Pastor Mark recently came back from Cambodia, meeting with them over there. And so um, mid-year, we're going to send a couple of pastors over to Cambodia to do some pastor's training, which is something that they really do want over there at the moment. And then in January, we are going to look at doing our missions trip. So if you're interested in a missions trip to Cambodia in January, please let us know and we will keep you updated. You know, as we do all of these things through Emerge Missions, we are declaring the glory and goodness of God. We are sharing Him with others. And as we shine our light, He is experienced by people in the vicinity of that light. You know, whether they know Him or not, whether they acknowledge Him or not, as we look outward of ourselves, that light shines upon them. They can't stop it. They can cover their eyes. They can pretend it's not there, but that light is still shining upon them. Let's be so extravagant in our outward focus that it screams the goodness of God. Uh, Our missions offering is called kingdom giving. And the reason that is is because our offering is there to grow the kingdom. It's It's not there to grow the emerge kingdom or emerge church. It's there to grow the kingdom. And I would challenge you to pray about how you can declare the glory of God through kingdom giving this year. I'd also like you to pray about getting involved in a program. You know, we've got red frogs two minutes down the road. Isn't that awesome? Just two minutes down the road. We've got the community visitor scheme that services the whole north side of Brisbane. Pray about something that touches your heart and get involved. The other thing we can all do is to pray for missions. Now, I believe everyone should be involved in missions through prayer because praying is something we can all do. So be praying missions. And I'd like to just leave you with some lines from a song that most of you are probably familiar with. It says, it's not time to be silent. Don't you dare hide your light. There's a world outside your window, so don't let it pass you by. It goes on to say, see the world light up one heart at a time. See the strongholds break in the blink of an eye. Have you ever seen such a beautiful sight? All the world coming alive. You know, missions is more than just giving. Make a declaration through giving, doing, and praying this year. Thanks, church. Thanks, Nikki. Nikki does a fantastic job, and she'll continue to do that well at Morayfield, just uh, looking after the ladies and couples and all of the people there at Morayfield. Also, this year, we've asked Rachel Gordon to come on staff full-time. She's gone from uh, part-time to full-time. She's just great. She's just a wonderful girl, very hardworking, very diligent, and just creative in ways of getting solutions. So uh, well done, Rachel. And we've also asked Angie Bedville to come on one extra day uh, a week as well because we now have three locations. It's busy with all of our kids because we are growing as a church. So uh, Angela Bedville's also going to come. I think we've got a... There she is. Look at her. She's a good girl, full of life. She's, she's just a joy. She's always got a smile on her face, and she's just a fun, fun person. So let me ask you a question. If we have no change of vision, why have Vision Sunday? I could just leave now. I've told you what the vision is. See you later. Thanks for coming. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. So I'm glad you asked. All right. On Vision Sunday, 
We wanna give you something that you can hold on to as you walk through the year, bringing about the vision of God for your life and for Immersed Church. It's like a handrail that you can hold on to make sure it's not slippery, it's not you're gonna fall, that you're going in the direction that you need to be going. It's something that helps you keep you steady and thereby give you confidence. So you can go into the things that may be fearful with a sense of confidence because you know that God has given you a word. We want to create something that we can all unify around, right? One of the things in having three locations is that unity is very important. So we have something we can all unify around that helps. If it's the same in Morrowfield, Redcliffe, and here at Warner, that helps bring unity. We have a same vision that we can have unity around. We want to put in your spirit an overarching thought that will keep you, inspire you, sustain you, and strengthen you as you face whatever it is that you're going to face this year. Because to be honest, some people are going to have the best year they've ever had, and for some people, be the worst you ever had because that's the cycle and the seasons of life. But when you have a word, whether it's good or whether it's tough, you've got something you can hold on to that you can go forward and walk with knowing that God is with you and that you are not alone. You know, each year as God builds His church, He gives us such an exhortation. He gives us an encouragement so that we can fulfill the vision that he has asked us to do as a church. It's like a theme for the year. So if I think about it, there was a year where we said, say yes, just say yes. Whatever opportunity God puts in front of you, say yes. Take a risk and say yes. And that was very good and and that encouraged a number of people. It was a, a theme that we could do. We knew that if you took God's opportunities, you are going to do well. Then there was the year that God said, take ground. We didn't know COVID was going to happen. And we got this take ground. But because we had that word, the decisions we made, instead of doing things like closing Morayfield, which seemed wise, we didn't do that because that wasn't a taking ground decision. But we kept going with Morayfield, which is regularly now getting over 150 people. They had 48 kids at their youth on Friday night. Imagine we said, no, we're not going to take ground. We're going to make a consolidation time, which seemed wise, but because you have a word from God. I was talking to a businessman, and he was telling me that he took that take ground back to his work. And he got his whole team together, and he said, this year we're going to take ground. And he goes... Our business has thrived and prospered where everyone else in our sector has gone backward. How amazing is that? Because he took hold of what God was saying to the church and brought it into his own life. You know, no one forgets last year's word, last year's theme. Just one word. Let's all say it now. That's right. Well done. Right. So where God said, don't shrink back into your shell, but live. Knowing that God is bigger than any pandemic no matter how long this thing lasts for. So I believe that God has put a theme and something in my heart for this year, and it is proclaim and declare. Now I promise you, I am not gonna every time I start a sermon say proclaim and declare, but I am gonna do it this morning. So with me say, proclaim and declare. One more time, proclaim and declare. That's our word for this year. Let me speak about that. 
if you know me, if you've been at a Merce church any time, you know I often mention life words, words that God gives us that are ours. They're nice for you, you like them, they're the word of God, but they're our word, our particular word. I have a number of those words, whether I'm 18 or 118, those words will mean something to me. Those words give me strength, they give me encouragement, they're God's personal word of connection to me. It, I, I believe it's foundational to help you in your walk with God when you have those words. I've spoken to you many times of those words. I don't need to go into those again. But there is one I want to bring to your attention this morning at Vision Sunday. And it's Isaiah 50 verse 4. And it says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season or a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens my ear morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Now, that's a good word for us all. Have you had that word? Beautiful, I'm happy for you. It's something we should learn from. But for me, that's personal. That is God giving me the way I need to live my life. It reminds me that God is in charge no matter what is going on around me. Now, this particular word is about words. My words, God's words. And it basically says this. If you break that word down, it says as if I daily listen to what God is saying to me, then I can expect that in my daily interactions with people, He's gonna bring weary people to me and that my words will bring encouragement. My words will bring strength. My words will bring life. And as a pastor, that's pretty comforting. As I stay close to God, I'll be able to say words and I'll be able to preach a word that is gonna bring encouragement and life to people who are weary. And if you know me, that's actually, it ticks all my boxes, right? That's who, how I think. I, I, I want my interactions with you to be one of encouragement, to be one that, that stirs you. It's why I greet people at the door so I can encourage you and just say, hey, I'm glad to see you here. It's what I like to do. It makes me feel better. I like to do that. So as I hear from God, I'm gonna have something to proclaim yeah. and something to declare. Yeah. In 2022, I feel that God wants us as a church to be a church that declares and proclaims what God is saying. And by doing that, we declare hope and strength and encouragement to a weary, weary world. The world is weary. Right now, the world is weary. Every day we are bombarded. Every conversation, every news report, every second thing on social media is about the pandemic. Every day our leaders are on TV telling us that they're saving us. One day there's a restriction added. Another day, another one's taken away. What was right three months ago is now wrong. What was wrong three months ago is now right. You can go here, but you can't go there. And because it's every day and everywhere, we've all been discipled in believing that everything is determined by COVID. We've all been subtly drawn into the narrative that the current corona news is the most important thing. It's a masterly example of discipleship. We've all been discipled into believing that COVID is what life is all about, that everything is about COVID. It's pretty hard to have any conversations these days where it doesn't come in. And it's a master, a master example of discipleship because we're in a daily relationship with the COVID news. 
and slowly being pulled and lulled into believing that everything is about COVID. Even when I type the word COVID into my Word document, it automatically capitalizes. It automatically tells me, this is important. You better listen to this. And that's why being in God's Word daily is so important because I'd rather be discipled by what God says than what the latest news conference says. The worst thing about the narrative is that it's divisive. It's broken up families, friendships, workplaces, and even tried hard to break up churches. Everyone has their opinion, and they're as diverse as the North Pole is to the South Pole. I just should show you my email feed. Right? And the people that send me messages, this and that, and every other thing. And I want to tell you, the world is weary. And we, the church, need to have a word in season in our mouths that comforts and refreshes the weary. What is your tongue saying? What is your tongue proclaiming? What is your tongue declaring? After spending time with you, have your words been in season? To him who is weary. This year we're going to deal with the tongue. You know, none of us will ever get it right. The Bible says the man who controls his tongue is perfect. Right? There aren't any perfect people here. Right? We're all going to struggle with it. But we're going to endeavor to take control of our tongue because as we take control of our tongue, like a rudder, it will determine the direction of our lives. This is the year where we get our voice back. And I want to tell you, God's Word never changes. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter with Corona or anything like that. Corona hasn't changed it. We're going to get our voice back. Yeah. So let me get back to life words and why in context they're so important and so needed. Life words are powerful yeah. because they are what God says about you. Right. They are actually the highest truth yeah. and they're backed up by heaven. The world might throw everything at you, but what God says is what's going to stand. That is because God doesn't change and He is in charge. If God said it, He will come to pass. Let me remind you of a very famous scripture that sometimes I think we forget. Even though most of us would know this, many of us would have actually kind of like memorized it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void but shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent her. So when God gave me that life word, with it came all the power of heaven to make sure that that was able to happen. So I have heaven on my side and that's what God has said. As I listen in a daily way, then God is always gonna have a fresh word in my mouth. When God says something, he's gonna do it. And when God says something and we hear it, that's when faith is birthed. Until you hear what God has said, there is no faith. See, this is much more than just positive thinking because no amount of wishing, no amount of desire, no amount of disciplined action can actually produce faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I read the Word of God and suddenly I hear something. It's not just information. All of a sudden it becomes true in my spirit. And as it becomes true in my spirit, faith is birthed. 
All of a sudden, it's not just me doing something. All of a sudden, I have God. I have heaven. I have someone else who's going to walk with me in this. I am no longer alone. I am no longer alone. I have God. Faith comes when we hear God say something and then believe it. So what God says is important. God speaking is foundational to the faith walk, to the faith life. There's literally no creation without God speaking. Think about this day one of creation. Let there be light. Day two, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Day three, let the waters be gathered. Let the earth sprout forth vegetation. Vegetation. Day four, let the lights be in the heavens. Day five, let the waters swarm with living creatures. Day six, let the earth be full of living creatures. And a final one, the one which we should all like best, right? Let us make man in our likeness. And on the seventh day, he rested. God had a thought. God had a plan. But until he spoke it out, nothing happened. But upon speaking, immediately creation begins. It's very interesting that the Bible says in Exodus 20, there were six days God created, but on the seventh, he rested. Now, it doesn't mean he took a break, that God was tired, that God had been using so much energy speaking into creation. And he was all of a sudden, I need a break, I need a rest. Because God never sleeps or never slumbers. He's never in lack. He's never in a sense of like where he's been depleted. But what it means, it means in the original language that he took a breath. And he takes a breath so he can create again. That's why our Sabbath is so important for ourselves. Right? It's so that we can take a breath. So that we can continue to create. Right? So God took a breath so that he could continue speaking. He could continue creating. And God is still creating today in our lives and doing things in our lives. He's still speaking right now. Now, we all know the words abracadabra, right? We would have done it with some kid trick or something like that. And we would have gone, abracadabra, and to see it happen. Do you know that that word comes from the Hebrew? And this is what it says. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Abara, I will create. And Hebrew, kadabra, as I speak. Right? That's what it means. And it's always used in relation to prayer. Right? And God is saying, as you pray, as you speak, what you're doing is you're seeing something created. Prayer is so much more than some work that you have to do to kind of get God to change his mind or finally say, all right, I'll bless you. But it's there so we can see into heaven so that we can have the mind of Christ and thereby start to create our future. Words always create. That's what words do. That's what they've always done. They create. Whether it be God, whether it be man, words create. Words create ideas, feelings, beliefs, peace, responses, love, responsibility, desire, hopes, dreams. They can also create resignation, negativity, anxiousness, fear, hopelessness. They can create both good and bad, but there certainly is, they will create. When we speak to someone, we create something in them. And that's why my life word is so important. 
as a pastor, if I can actually speak a word in season to him who's weary, that's got to be a good thing. I want to create encouragement, strength in weary people. I like that. When God speaks to us, He creates something in us. Faith is birth, and faith always creates. Faith is not stagnant. Faith is always about creating something. Now, Proverbs 18, verse 21, a verse you're going to hear many times throughout this year, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So your tongue is either creating death or it's creating life. As I said before, for most of us, it's a little bit of both. Us as Emerged Church this year, we need to create life. What comes out of our mouth, what we declare and proclaim, sets the direction for our future. If we proclaim death, declare death, there's going to be a slow diminishing and degradation of our lives. If we proclaim life, then there'll be a slow increase of abundance in our lives. Proverb tells me that the way of the upright is upward. That's the general tenor of my life as I put the Word of God into action in my life. Now, it's way more than just positive confession. Right? Like if I say it enough time, it's going to come true. That's not what we're talking about. No matter how many times I say I want to be a scratch golfer, it ain't going to happen. I'm just not good enough. Right? If I'm sick and I go, no, I'm not sick. No, I'm not sick. I'm fine. I'm good, there's no sickness, dying of a migraine, all these things. No, that's, that's foolishness. It's not just declaring something that's not true. It's declaring what it is that God has said to you. That's the difference. Yeah. Proclaiming, clearing is so much more than positive confession. It's coming into agreement with what God is saying. So our first responsibility is to hear from God. Yeah. Not to make something up that we want, but to hear from God. That's my first responsibility. And as I hear from God, God creates faith in my spirit. And now I get my words to agree with what it is that God has said. See, my words are the evidence of what I actually believe in my heart, what I actually agree with in my heart. They're my declaration, they're my proclamation, and they are powerful. They create my future. Jesus said like this, a man's words are the overflow of his heart. What comes out of here is actually what's in here. So what are your words tell me about your heart? Are your words full of doom and gloom, fear, resignation, negativity, cynicism, unbelief, victimhood, hate, anger, judgment, pride, insecurity? Are you happy to repeat a story, to revile? That's the one that God's got me about. Speaking to me very clearly, so often I just go, oh, that guy's a new, oh, she's a, right? I revile a lot. So this year I'm going to take control over that and I'm not going to do that anymore. So if you hear me say that, I give you permission to tell me off, wave your finger in my nose, right? Is your speech fixated on a past incident or some unfair circumstance? Does your speech tell me you're just resigned to something never changing? Does your, does your speech make reason for others, the reason for your problems. There's no way out because others are just in control of my life. Does your speech kind of focus on the, the negatives of your life, leaving you feeling hopeless? Or does your speech, is it full of love? Is your speech compassionate? 
filled with grace and self-control and hope and forgiveness, security, kindness, faith, belief, overlooking, perseverance, goodness, humility. Does your speech prefer one another? Is your speech contrite and, and willing to contribute? Is your speech building people up, looking for the good and being solution orientated? See, your words and your speech will always reveal your heart. Yeah. And that's why the Bible tells us very clearly, take captive every thought that exalts itself against Christ Jesus. If Jesus has said something to you and you have a thought that's different to that, then you've got to take that thought captive. It goes against what Jesus is saying. So take that thought captive. We need to agree with what God is saying and reject that which contradicts His truth. If our words create either life or death, God's words will create life and the devil's words will always create death. So you need to combat those devil's thoughts, arrest those thoughts, challenge those thoughts and contest those thoughts. Those thoughts are designed by hell to bring you to death, to bring a slow segregation and diminishment to your life. They are fiery arrows that the Bible tells us about in Ephesians that are designed to bring us down. But God gave us the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation to deal with those things. That's why I go back to our life word. Think of my life word. My life word tells me that God loves me. That's the helmet of salvation. I am saved, everything might be bad, but God loves me. It's not God getting me. It's not God punishing me. It's not God getting on top of me. This is God, he loves me. That's the helmet of salvation. Then there's the word of God, which is like the shield of faith. I can move it, I can do it here. It's it's able to, to deal with those combat. I'm gonna listen to what God said. This is the word. I may be experiencing this, but God's word says this, so that's what I'm gonna believe. I'm not gonna believe that. What are your words saying you believe? See, God's words frames our lives. Isaiah tells us that God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. That God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So if our thoughts, our heart, leads to words, then going to God for his thoughts on a matter is really important. Framing your life, your decisions around what God thinks creates for us the future that God sees for us. You know, as as a pastor, I I was talking to Pastor David the other day and, and he said to me, he goes, I was talking to this guy and I just said, you know, so what is God saying to you? And he just says, I don't want to ask God because I know what he's going to say, right? So you tell me what I should do, right? And, and, and people sometimes look at me like I've got two heads when I go, well, what is God saying to you in the situation? Because I don't actually have the answer. I might have some wisdom. I might have a little bit of guidance. But the real answer is in what God says. So I'm always going to say, well, what are you going to God? What is God saying to you? That's the important thing. So this year we're going to speak life. We're going to create a church that honours God, honours people, honours His Word and brings life and hope. And we're going to deliberately teach people. 
You know, we are going to go through every one of our courses from our new Christians course, new peoples. We're going to do our volunteers, our life group leadership, our leadership training, our discipleship. I think there's about seven or eight courses that we're going to do. And we're going to put them all new. And they're going to be fantastic because we want to teach people and disciple people about what the Word of God says so they know where some stability can come. I'm going to build foundation because the Word of God is our foundation upon which we build everything that we do. We're going to deliberately teach people. See, Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, then this year our words will have mountain-moving power. What mountains do you need move this year? Then come into agreement with God's thoughts and God's word, and you'll be amazed at what God can do. Instead of coming into agreement with the current climate of societal thought or the current crisis I find myself in, I'm going to go to God, I'm going to get a word from Him, and then I'm going to come into agreement with that and that's what I'm going to complain, com- proclaim and declare. That's faith. Yeah. Getting a word from God, agreeing with it, declaring it, proclaiming it, and then seeing it come to pass. And we're going to teach you this year how to get a word from God. We're going to be deliberate in helping you hear the voice of the Lord. My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. So I want you to be able to hear, I know Nina's voice. Everyone was yelling, I would still hear Nina's voice in the midst of all of the noise because I know her. I'd know Julie's voice too because it's such an English accent. (laughs) All right. We're going to create life at Emerge Church, resurrection life. Dead people will come to life, people dead in their trespasses, dead in their dreams. This is a year of restoration for many people, dead in hope going to be like a Lazarus year. We're going to call people out. Lazarus, come forth. Dead in belief will rise up from their graves and live again. You know, last year we know our word was live, taken from Ezekiel's valley of dry bones where the prophet is asked and told to declare live over this valley of dry bones. And the bones slowly came together as it was declared. That's what we're going to do this year. This past season of the church has been a winter season. And that's all right, because without seasons, things don't really happen. We're meant to have summer, summer and winter just here, right? But most places have like summer, autumn, winter and spring, right? I remember that from the past, right? So uh, uh, even though it's really just summer, it's just always hot. All right, no, but um, our summer, our summer was actually a change of season. There was a change of season in Adelaide in October. There's always three days where all of a sudden it's like 38, 39 degrees. Then it goes back. And what it does is it's just saying there's a change of season. This year, last year at our summer, there was a change. It was like God saying, it's a change of season. And I want to tell you that this year, 2022, is going to be a spring season full of growth and full of freshness. When I hear things like 37 young people getting saved on a Friday night, I go, amen, I like that growth. I like what God is doing. You know, just recently someone I respect rang me and encouraged me and said he felt that God was going to bring Merge Church this year accelerated growth. And you know what? I'm going to come into agreement with that and I'm going to declare it and 
I'm going to proclaim it. Colossians 4 says this, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. Not just for church. This is a word for you everywhere you go. God is going to bring you the weary. God is going to bring you the tired. God is going to bring you the discouraged. God is going to put you in all of these situations where you as an individual, not just the church, but you at work, you as you're getting a haircut, you as you're in a shop, you just come and you say, I'm going to bring a word of life. You know, I've decided that in every interaction, everywhere I go, I'm going to have a smile on my face and I'm going to be positive and I'm going to engage and I'm going to look the person in the eye and I'm going to have a smile on my face. No one is just the help. You understand? No one is just the help. I'm going to make your day better just by having been. If everyone's been mean to you, at least you're going to get a smile from me. I made this decision that that's what I'm going to do this year. And I'm going to listen to their stories. Just the other day I had a haircut and I was talking to this guy and he's telling me how his hands were not working properly and he's a hairdresser so he needs to use his hands and he had a a kind of like a a thing in his hand. And then I said, can I pray for you? And I grabbed his hand. He goes, no, it's this one, right? So, uh, (laughs) and and I put my hands on his hands and I didn't start yelling in tongues in the middle of the shop. Right? I just quietly just grabbed his hand and I said, God, you're a miracle working God. God, you can do something here. I'm going to believe that his hand's going to be touched, his hand's going to be healed. And I'm believing that one day he'll walk in here and go, hey, look, I can do this. I can do that. God is going to give us the way. He's going to give us gracious words. He's going to give us attractive words. It's not about we're being buff. We all look good. No, our lives just draw. That's what attractive means. It draws people in. My words are going to draw people in. When everyone else is bagging the boss, telling him what a bad workplace it is, I I don't do that. I find something good. I find something positive. And all of a sudden, it draws people because there's a different sound. There's a different sound that's going on. See, our proclaiming and declaration will be water to a thirsty words. It's your words that will give you an opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus. And you're going to have that opportunity to use your mouth, every single one of us here, to speak to another individual this year about the good news of Jesus Christ. So this year we're going to teach you how to be attractive, how to to do things, in a sense, how to apply your spiritual makeup, right? So that you're able to put your best foot forward how to deal with circumstances, how to deal with these things. Now, we're not going to be a cult. Right? You said that. Get out. Right? We're still going to be honest. We're still going to be able to say what's really going on. It's not about we can't, but we're not going to be backbiting. We're not going to be telling stories. We're not going to be judging. We're not going to be gossips. We're not going to be reviling. Right? We're just going to be speaking what is life. What's going to happen is that because of the way that we speak, when someone does any of those things, it'll be like, a, what was that? It's like Keith playing piano, and all of a sudden, sometimes, you listen to this, when I walk past the piano, when they're playing, I play something. I just bang it three times, and the piano player doesn't know what to do, and, and, and the music people are like, well, like this, 
And most of you are just like, didn't even know, right? But, uh, but I'm going to finish with a story, maybe the band could come. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a lady. And from Kings 4, 2 Kings 4. And this lady has helped the prophet Elisha. And she's made a place for him to stay. And she's just made it easy for him when he's in that area to be able to live there. And he goes, what are you, would you like in recompense? What can I do for you? He's going, no, no, I don't, I don't want anything. I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he kept on asking, kept on asking. And every time she said, no, I'm fine, I'm okay. And then one day she goes, okay, I'd really like a son. But don't play games with me. Right? If it's anything going to happen, don't give me this word. Right? If, I, if I get this, like, don't play games with me that I'm going to kind of hear this thing and then it's not going to happen. And he goes, no, you're going to have a son. And a year later, she has a son. Yeah. So the child is around eight to 10 years old. His father's working in the fields. He goes out to see his dad. And all of a sudden, while he's in the field, whether we don't know really what it was, but it sounds like it was something like a, a stroke or an aneurysm. But he goes, my head, my head. And he falls to the ground and it's like he's almost dead. So the father's freaking out, picks up the son, brings him to his mum, puts the son on the mum's like lap. Mum starts praying, obviously, but the child dies. And she goes, I don't know what to do. It was a very negative situation. The child died. The promise of God died. What God had promised was dead. So he comes to his own and she saddles up her donkey. She puts her son on the donkey and she starts off and the, father, the father's like, where are you going? She goes, I'm going to see the man of God. Because what's everything? He goes, it is well. It is well. It is well with me. It is well with my soul. So she goes along. Elisha's looking out one day. Sees her coming along on the, on the donkey. And he goes, that looks like that lady. And he says to his servant, he says, hey, can you go see what's going on with her? And he goes over there and she goes, is everything all right, lady? Is everything all right? She goes, it is well. It is well. See what happened when it came to seeking to everyone else, she's going to declare it is well. But when she came to the man of God or when she came to God, that's where she told her doubts. That's where she told the negativities. That's where she told the, the bad things. And that's what God's saying to us. You know, like when it all goes wrong and, and we're wondering what it is, don't go to man who are just going to try and be like Job's counsellors and try and give you some sort of reason. But when you go to God, you're going to get strength and you're going to get a way out of your circumstance because it's God's Word that's going to bring change and going to move that mountain. And so what we see is we see that, that what Elijah goes with Elisha, goes with her and like comes along and then he goes and lays on the child and then we see that there's a great miracle and that is what is going to happen this year. For many people, things that were dead, promises of God that were finished, promises of God that are impossible to happen again, God's going to breathe life. God's Word is going to breathe life. Not me, not your leader, not anyone else, but God's Word is going to breathe life. God's Word is going to breathe life. And as you come into agreement with that, as you come and speak that over your lives, you know, tonight Nina is going to speak a word that we all need to hear. It's part two of this message. 
He's going to talk a little bit more into that about how your words can create, how your words are essentially like a prophecy over your life and how you're either going to create life and death. It's going to be an amazing message tonight. We need to be here. But there has to come an ability in our hearts over this year to understand that life isn't about the circumstances that are going on around me right now. Whether there's storms, whether there's all these things going on, it is well with my soul because God is on my side. I want everyone to close their eyes and we're going to just listen to a song that the band is going to do right now. Thank you. So 